Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So I just want to talk a little bit about the upcoming Warriors-Mavericks Western Conference Finals series coming up. But I do want to discuss a little bit about the Suns collapse in that game seven. I mean, that was brutal. I wasn't watching the game, but I caught the score on my phone and I was like, whoa, they are down by 30 and a half. I didn't end up watching the second half either. I recorded it because I wanted to see either (laughs) the Suns make the most amazing comeback ever, or I wanted to see the Suns go down in flames. And of course, the latter is what happened. I just wonder what's going to happen to the Suns after this. It's crazy because this whole season, obviously they were the best team record-wise, but they also just looked like the most well-put-together team overall. They had the veteran leadership of Chris Paul. They had the star power and scoring of Devin Booker. They had the solid DeAndre Ayton in the middle, and they had a bunch of role players who just did their thing properly. That's me on the outside looking in. I don't follow the Suns that closely. Obviously, Suns fans think and are aware of other issues that they had. But, man, this is one of those things. Like, how do you come back from this, right? Are the Suns done? (laughs) Is their window closed? And it might sound a little silly to say this about a 64-win team, but first of all, like, psychologically, this is really, really brutal to make it through a whole season and then just fall on your face like that. It reminds me a little bit of the 07 Mavericks, the the team that the Warriors, the We Believe Warriors beat, you know, but the difference with them was that Dirk, their best player, was young and eventually they made it back and they beat the Heat, right? So there was redemption in his case, in that team's case. And then there was the 2016 Warriors, of course, who lost to the Cavs in the finals. And that was obviously a heartbreaker for for us Warriors fans, but the Warriors were still good. They were still on the come up, right? They just won a title. And of course, the Warriors ended up getting Kevin Durant, which is, you know, a whole (laughs) another wrinkle in the dynasty story that I don't see the Suns getting. There's no one like that that's going to just join the Suns because they want to. Plus, Chris Paul is 37. He'll be 38 by next year's playoffs. And I don't know. I don't know if he has it in him anymore. Obviously, like he played a bunch this season. My friend Vubang, who's on the show a lot, he was pointing out at a certain point that Chris Paul had played every game. And it wasn't until Chris Paul got injured with that hand injury that he finally got some rest. But it was clear in this series that he was kind of running out of gas and add another year onto him next season. I don't know. I don't know if he can do it, if he can pull it off. And it's crazy because Chris Paul, right? Like (laughs) there was that Jeremy Lin tweet where he was like, Chris Paul deserves a title. (laughs) And everybody was like, why? You know, because I always said that Chris Paul, he feels like he falls into that category of Carl Malone, John Stockton, Charles Barkley, guys who, you know, did enough like things on the court where the basketball gods, karma, whatever you want to call it, would deny them the chance to have a title. So I feel like Chris Paul with his flopping and baiting and whining and all this other stuff. I mean, 
I'm sure he's a good enough dude off the court, but just on the court, like those are the things that I'm like, well, you know, it seems like the stars are not going to align for him unless he ends up at age 40 someday as like a bench player on a team that wins the title. You know what I mean? And another thing, it's like there was a part of me that thought that the Suns would be a better matchup for the Warriors, right? Because clearly Luka was the best player in that series with the Suns. And so like, you're like, well, you don't want to have to face that best player. But also it's like, because CP3, like I always assumed that he would run out of gas like he did and that the Warriors could overwhelm and beat the Suns. And obviously we see how flawed they are, but it is what it is. Regardless, I think that the Warriors match up better with the Suns and with the Mavericks than they did with the Grizzlies. Different challenges for sure. And then you look at Devin Booker. Is he that guy? Right. He was rising. Everybody was talking about him as one of the premier players. But like a performance like this is not going to do anything to help him. Sure, he's still getting better. But, you know, is he who he is at this point? And can he get over that hump? And then there's DeAndre Ayton, who only played 17 minutes in game seven. And there's a lot of talk, a lot of chatter about him not really fitting in with the Suns now. He's a restricted free agent. So, you know, the Suns can just match whatever he gets on the market. But is he in their future plans? Does he really work with them? And, you know, it was the whole thing that DeAndre Ayton wasn't that good first couple seasons, but then he played well last year. And then this year he showed out. But again, the narrative is always a narrative, right? Is he going to be that guy? Is he going to be a second best player or even third best player on a title team? Do the Suns want to pay him the max or whatever he gets from whomever offers him a contract on the market? It's interesting, right? It's interesting. And then also Jay Crowder, he he ain't that young either. But he's a little bit less important because he's just a role player. On the flip side, you know, the Suns, they have Booker signed to a long-term contract. They have Mikhail Bridges signed to a decent contract. And if they keep Aiton, you know, maybe they work it out. But who's the head of that snake? Who's going to be their point guard moving forward? I have no idea. It ain't Cameron Payne. You know, he's not starter material. They need a leader because honestly, it doesn't look like Booker is it or Aiton. So, you know, you take Chris Paul out of the equation, his effectiveness, and what do you have? And another thing about the Suns, man, they passed, like a lot of other teams, they passed on Tyrese Halliburton in the 2020 draft. And it was like, oh, you know, they are a title contending team. So, you know, you could overlook it to some extent. But right now, more so than at any other time since that draft, it is looking like a big deal, right? Because at least if you have Halliburton, can you imagine? I mean, they would have been so much better this year. But not only that, they would have been so much better and set going into the future because, you know, he may not be a pure point guard, but he can lead. (laughs) And if he was playing coming off the bench behind Chris Paul and Devin Booker, then, I mean, maybe you do have your point guard of the future. You can train him. You can mentor him into being a better point guard, a truer point guard. But regardless, like even as a combo guard with Devin Booker, that would be a very, very formidable backcourt 
now and definitely moving into the future. So that's a mistake that will probably linger with them for a while. I mean, a lot of teams, like I said, a lot of teams passed on Halliburton and I think they regret that to some extent. But when you look at how good the Suns team is and how well he would fit with their current personnel and how like their window is now, if it's not closed, then that must burn even further. He could have fallen into their laps at number 10, but you know, not only that, they took a guy who isn't contributing for them at all. I don't even know if he's still on the team. So regardless, you know, it's not like they took somebody else who is giving them something. It's just a big zero in terms of that draft pick. So it'll be interesting, right? Especially since next season, next season, the West will just be better. I've said, I think the Warriors will be better, but then you have all these young teams like the Grizzlies, like the Timberwolves, who are improving and will probably each take some kind of leap next year. And then you got teams like the Clippers and the Nuggets who are getting their all-star players back, right? You're getting Kawhi Leonard, you're getting Michael Porter Jr., you're getting, well, maybe he's not an all-star, but you're getting your max players back, right? Jamal Murray as well. So it'll be interesting, you know, like if the Suns made it to the finals, if they won the title, then whole nother story. But you lose in this fashion, you know, you have to let the dust settle and let the emotions roll back a little bit. But that's a that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. I don't know. This might be worse than the 2016 Warriors loss of the finals. I mean, apples and oranges to some extent because of the way the Warriors lost 3-1, the Draymond suspension, the Kiki Vandaway BS, and just the fact that they were the 73-win team. But the Suns, to them, they have a whole history of heartbreak. They've never won an NBA title. And throughout their sports history, they always, always like get their hearts broken. So this was their best chance. This was, I believe, the first time like a Phoenix team or an Arizona team, I guess, was considered the favorite in the postseason. But it's all relative, right? Each fan base feels the pain probably the same regardless. Anyway, that's all I got on that. This Warriors-Mavericks matchup, it's going to be interesting, really interesting. I would not have expected this. These are the number three and four teams in the West in terms of seeding. And off the top of my head, the first thing is like, how do you guard Luka? Do you single cover him? Do you double him and force other guys to beat you? He's going to be hunting Steph and Poole nonstop whenever they're in the game. So do you double or do you just stay home and force him, (laughs) take everybody else out of the game and make him the guy that just keeps shooting and shooting and shooting, make him shoot 30 times a game. And he's going to get his, you can't stop that. But you know, there is something to be said for keeping Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, Bullock, keeping all those guys cold or uninvolved. A lot of people talk about how Luca is kind of like LeBron to some extent, but the way they run their offense, my friend Aaron Matrano pointed this out to me. He's more like James Harden, right? A very ball dominant, three point shooting, step back taking, foul baiting guy who looks for shooters on the perimeter when he drives or when he gets doubled or whatever. Of course, the Warriors have a lot of experience playing guys like that, but Luca is a totally different player from James Harden, much better, much better all around, and he continues to rise. I think it's unfortunate that you don't have Gary Payton in the second because, you know, even though he's smaller than Luka, he is a strong defensive pest, but also he can take some of the other guys out like a Jalen Brunson. He would have been perfect in that matchup. 
And the question also is like, will the Warriors have enough healthy bodies? Because you don't have GP2, Andre Guadalla, you know, he hasn't played much and he's been ruled out for game one already with that neck issue. And then Otto Porter Jr., who has that foot issue. Hopefully he plays, but still he won't be probably 100% because he's a rickety guy at this point in his career. I mean, you'll most likely see Andrew Wiggins guarding Luka at the outset, but then they're going to switch <laughs> switch him so that like Steph guards him or Poole guards him. Jonathan Kaminga, again, like I think he will play a big role, especially since Gary Payton II isn't out there. Kaminga, you know, when we first started playing, he didn't foul guys much, but nowadays he does get called for a lot of ticky-tack fouls. So that's on him to realize that like he is getting rookie calls, right? So, you know, just him being 6'7 and strong and just a big body to put on Luka is going to be important. But again, it depends on foul trouble, bonus, all that kind of stuff. I think that in the future, the Kaminga-Luka defensive matchup will be really interesting. But right now, it's going to be just like, let's put the rookie out there and see how he does. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total made threes, total rebounds and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. On the flip side, on offense, I mean, you have to tire... <laughs> the Mavericks out, right? With all the motion, all the chasing around. Jalen Brunson, not a big dude. He could potentially be a defensive liability that you attack. Dinwiddie, make those guys run around and make Luka work, right? Make him work as much as possible. So when he's lofting those deep step back threes, maybe he's a little fatigued. <laughs> maybe they come up short. Maybe they're a little bit offline. You have to make them work on both ends. And with the Warriors, like we've talked about the ups and downs of this team. They looked great in the Nuggets series. They looked very questionable a lot of times in the Grizzlies series. So will the shots fall, right? Which team will drain threes at a better clip? And then doubling Steph. You know, the Mavericks are going to double Steph to get the ball out of his hands. And then you have guys like Poole, Clay Thompson, who are supposed to be able to punish them. My question is, like, if Steph gets doubled and he's able to pass out of that to Draymond, you know, you have the classic Warriors four on three. And can they take advantage of that? Can Poole and Clay hit shots? Can Andrew Wiggins be clutch at the right moments? You know, you know that Andrew Wiggins is not going to be the most consistent shooter throughout, but can he hit big shots? when the Warriors need them at the end of games, etc. And another thing is, hey, look, there are no great centers left in the playoffs. They're gone. They're gone. The Warriors went through Nikola Jokic. They went through Steven Adams. And Joel Embiid is gone. DeAndre Ayton is gone. Giannis, even though he's not a center, he's gone. Brooke Lopez, he's gone. So 
you know, it's not like the Mavericks interior is completely devoid of bodies, but you don't have that force in the middle, right? When Steven Adams started playing, he cut off so many of Steph's drives, Poole's drives, right? And made them turn away or pass out of a drive. So I think that's another opportunity for the Warriors to attack and get to the line. You know, Jonathan Kaminga, some of his drives to the basket, some of his dunker spot stuff. I think that's another place you could probably attack the Mavericks. And then bottom line, it's like, which Warriors team are we going to see? Is it the one that clicks and plays that beautiful brand of basketball and plays efficiently and intelligently? Or is it going to be the one that throws the ball all over the court, has a ton of turnovers, has a bunch of dumb fouls, and can't shoot? (laughs) I mean, whether or not they can shoot, that will always be an issue from game to game. But the turnovers, those are definitely something that they need to be able to, to watch, right? Turnovers, fouls, and even rebounding. They battled for rebounds against the Grizzlies, against a great rebounding team. And so I hope and expect that they do the same here. (laughs) The fewer possessions you give Luka, the better. I guess if I had to give a prediction, I will say Warriors in six, even if that means them winning game six in Dallas. Honestly, if they were more consistent, if we knew that they were going to be the team that we saw against Denver or in game three against The Grizzlies, I mean, game three was a bit of an aberration because they just shot so amazingly well. Then I would be bold and say maybe Warriors in five. But at this point, especially with the way Luka is playing and the fact that the Warriors are down some dudes, Gary Payton II, Andre Godala, potentially Otto Porter Jr., guys who are not like their core best players, but those are dudes they need and use in series like this when it's about somebody like Luca, when it's about a bunch of guards and wings, you know, it's not about dudes in the middle. It's not about power forwards and centers. So when you lose a lot of that defense, then there's a lot of question marks that plus the high variance of this Warriors squad, Warriors in six, I think that's optimistic, realistic, but a little bit optimistic. So we'll see. We'll see. It really depends on which Warriors we see from game to game. Also, keep an eye on the fact that all of these Western Conference Finals games, there's only one day of rest in between each game. Not one time will there be two days of rest. So that is something definitely to watch, to keep an eye on, especially in terms of just like some of the older vets, the core dudes, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Otto Porter Jr., and Andre, if he comes back at all. So that's another reason why I think it's actually huge that they closed out the Grizzly series and got several days of rest just to recuperate because it's going to be a bit of a combination sprint marathon, depending on how long the series goes. And, you know, when your best players are in their mid to early 30s versus the Mavericks' best player who is early 20s, then that could definitely be an advantage for the Mavericks if the series goes all the way to the end, goes all the way to seven. But that's where guys like Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga will make a huge difference just in terms of having like that energy and that youth and that ability to to just go and to keep going, regardless of like how many days off you get, you know? And I've even talked about someone like Clay during the season, it felt like when he had more breaks between games, he was a little bit better. 
I mean, that's probably true for everybody to some extent, but especially for him, you know, when he had less rest, of course, he didn't play back to backs at all during the season. But when there was like a day apart, that's when he would start pressing and his shot would be a little bit more inconsistent. So we'll see if that happens more here. Anyway, that's all I got for now. See you on Wednesday. That's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Lupino or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Also check us out at OaklandWarriors.com. And be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen to the Oakland Warriors podcast. It's produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify and leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. That would be hugely helpful. Thanks for listening. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs. <laughs>